What is going on, everybody? It is me, Michael Kirkering, host of Let's Talk College Football podcast. For those of you that are wondering, what the heck happened? I came looking for content last year and never got it. Well, that's because I didn't do any podcasting last year related to college football. I, I'll be honest, I tried a bunch of times, but I just couldn't get over it. If you've been listening to the show the last two seasons, you know, like 2018, 2019 when I started, you'll you'll remember. You know, the theme of my show is this is not a place where I break news or do a lot of predictions as far as, you know, like matchups. You know, you have the rest of the college football media for that, right? I'm not, no one's paying me to cover a team. No one's paying me to write, you know, I'm not at practices. I, I consume all that media like you guys do when I'm finding out about like who's winning a depth chart battle at this place during fall camp or or what have you and you know I, I love to make you know predictions on games and outcomes as much as anybody but it's not like I'm you know technically more credible at doing that than all the people you see on TV all the different other podcasts you listen to with people that you know do all that stuff for you you know my show has always been about talking about college football n- issues, news, right? N- the stories break elsewhere and then we discuss them, right? And I give you my insight because my whole thing is every time a topic around college football comes out, there's so many questions, right? Especially with all the big subjects this off season, which has been crazy, right? 12 team playoff, realignment, NIL. I mean, College football is changing before our eyes, and what I like to do is talk about all the issues, big or small, right? A controversy breaks out, right? Like we had, you know, 2018, my first episodes were about, you know, the Urban Meyer thing and at Ohio State and what was going on at Maryland at the time, right, with their controversy, right? All that stuff, we, we talk about that, and I, and I give perspectives on that. So the thing about last year was COVID, right? Everything was about COVID, were we even going to have a season and then everything changed? And basically, the way my show is themed where we're always going to be talking about these issues and controversies, every episode would have basically had to be about COVID, right? Even when you got into the college football discussions, right? When the playoff was coming up in the selection, you couldn't help but take conversations back to COVID because... COVID was the reason why a bunch of the, for example, did Ohio State deserve to get into the playoff last year and Texas A&M and all that stuff. Well, the only reason we even had some of those debates was because of COVID, right? And I had really strong opinions about COVID and what should have been done in, in regards to sports, college football specifically. And college football, it's, it's fun for us to talk about polarizing things, right? Polarizing subjects and issues are fun, Right when it's rivalries, when it's talking about different teams, talking about different things, and even when it's not always fun, right? Like, hey, maybe you're covering a scandal at a university, right? The Baylor sexual assault scandal. Nothing's fun about that, but it's related to the sport, and we can discuss it. COVID was just such a crazy, polarizing issue, and no matter where you stood on COVID last year, you know people were going to be upset, and for me. It was just easier to just not talk about it. And one thing I will say is I don't really consider last year a real college football season, right? And I, I don't, I can already hear, right, Alabama fans, people getting pissed off. But I'm as good as a team might have been on paper. Like to me, 2020 college football was not a season I'm holding in line with all of the college football seasons before it. It was the COVID year. So. Alabama won the national championship. 
Ohio State made the playoff. Alabama won the COVID year championship, right? I'm personally not considering it a national championship. Oh, Alabama's 2020 trophy to me does not hold weight with their 2017 trophy, with their 2015 trophy, right? With any of the other national championship trophies that have been won before or that will now come after, the 2021 is is not one I'm going to consider. And I was actually glad that, you know, my, my team, obviously some of you know, I, I'm a Florida State fan. I also have ties to the Oregon Ducks, and I, and I like them. And I'm glad that my favorite team was not, you know, on the cusp of winning a championship last year because I personally would have hated that. I wouldn't even want my team to be good in the COVID year. And something interesting about this year is is I really didn't even pay attention to college football that much last year, as crazy as that sounds. There were a couple of game days that I tuned in, right? I watched... You know, Florida State from time to time, obviously. But for me, it was more just, hey, checking up on my team's roster for, for the year after and things like that. And and there were a couple Saturday moments where I felt, oh, call, this is college football, you know, like the Notre Dame-Clemson game, right? And there were a few other matchups where, oh, there was fans in the stands. And in that moment for that three-hour period while watching that game, I felt, oh, it's Saturday. I'm watching college football. But for the most part, last year was a year where – we, don't, we didn't really have college football as far as what I appreciate about it, right? Like, yes, there was games played. The people in charge did whatever they could to give us some sort of season. And, of course, they had to do that for revenue, for the players, for everything involved. We got, we got what we got. But as someone who is just a huge college football nerd and fan, you know, my Saturdays are waking up, watching college game day, getting ready for all the matchups, right, and – watching all these games, you know, waiting until it's like 2, 3 in the morning, trying to stay up to watch the Pac-12 after dark games, you know, that that's what I do during college football season. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm weird like that. And I just couldn't do it last year. And, you know, I've got other stuff going on in my life for, you know, some of you might know, like I, I work in video production. I'm heavily involved, you know, in social media with that stuff. I do travel vlogging and blogging. That's kind of the whole other side of my life. And I, I kind of just paid more attention to that, even though that was also challenging. So anyway, I, I don't want to get off on, on any of that stuff because there were at least four times last year I sat down, tried to do a podcast and give my opinions on, you know, the COVID stuff, the 2020, the seasons, and, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't finish it. So I just, I took the whole year off from that, but now I'm back and it's been super exciting as we've gotten closer to this season. And for the most part, it feels like it's going to be a normal season, regardless of how you feel about it. Stadiums are going to be full, at least in you know the South, at least on the East Coast. I, I'm not totally sure what some of the Pac-12 schools are doing, but stadiums are going to be full. That's one thing. Schedules are normal, right? None of this weird, you only got your conference schedule, right? We've got kickoff classic games week one at neutral sites. We've got non-conference games. Everybody's got their 12-game schedule. There might be some games, of course, this year that get canceled or removed because you know it's going to happen somewhere with the COVID stuff. But it's not going to be like last year, right? For the most part, it seems like these teams, you know, got that stuff under control. And while there might be a couple of games out there, hopefully it's not a big one or anything too serious. We, we've got a normal season on the horizon, which means we're back to normal college football topics. And this offseason has been crazy, guys, right? And as we get close to the season, right, we're literally two weeks away. Couldn't be more excited. Um, I want to talk about all the off-season issues, right? And, and just like this show is, right? We let the news develop outside, we get a picture for it, and then I come in and I discuss it because I can't tell you how many times when there's a big issue going on in college football. And it could be a small thing within a season, like a discussion between two teams making the playoff or something about big, right? That's happening now, like conference expansions, the realignments, the 12-team playoff, right? Whenever I turn on ESPN, Fox, I listen to, you know, the Paul Feinbaums, the big podcasts around college football. I never get all of my questions answered. And I'm not talking about ones that they can't answer. I'm talking about 
there's certain aspects to all these topics that I feel like don't get thrown in the conversation. I'm always wondering why. And that's basically why I started this show so that we could all have these conversations. And I'm sure a lot of you feel like me. Like, you know, when I watch these shows in these smaller segments, they're not able to answer all the questions I have or like, hello, why is nobody thinking of this obvious thing that I'm thinking of? And I try to break down the reasons for that. So leading up to the season here, before we start getting into like in-season topics and stuff, I wanted to, one, talk about the podcast, the future of it, and give an outline for the um, these next few episodes that are going to be happening. So first of all, like I said, you guys know about me, you know about the show. One of my favorite things is college football history. So we're always going to be talking about, you know, old games, old moments, old seasons, and as they relate to current things. And anytime we can touch on the history, especially going back, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, the stuff I grew up watching, not I wasn't alive in the 80s and only half the 90s, but my knowledge of college football goes deep into the late 70s, early 80s, all through the 90s. I mean, those are the eras that I love to watch, talk about, obviously, my childhood, the 2000s. We're always going to be doing that stuff, right? Always going to be talking about college football as a whole, at large, all the different things, the way it's changing, evolving. And also, I want to talk about, you know, the future of this podcast. I'm planning to really go full in here and eventually have a, sh- a video show that goes with this or is a part of it, you know, on YouTube. I'm going to get the podcast out on all the channels, so you'll be able to get this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the different outlets that you listen to, I'm going to end up getting this on. Start doing collaborations. Like, I want to have long-form discussions. Start having other people on the show, having chill episodes where, you know, it could be me and two other people just sitting and talking and all those ideas are in the works that could be for the video show later and all that stuff. Anyway, in in the short term coming up, I want to go over three main issues in college football and and really give all my takes and opinions on them based on what I've, I've heard so far, what I've read and what I've learned. Those three issues will be realignment, that's what this episode's going to focus on right here. So, sorry, this has been a long intro. We're about to get to realignment, so, so stick with me. And then I'm going to talk about, in the next episode, the 12-team playoff. And then I'm going to talk about NIL. And all of these three subjects have some overlap, right? Because realignment affects the future of the 12-team playoff, right? And NIL affects recruiting, which affects, you know, all this stuff plays a role here. But, so hopefully by the end of you know the three different episodes I do on these topics, it'll it'll all tie together. But this episode specifically is gonna focus on realignment. Sorry, twelve and a half minute intro there. Stay with me. Let's finally get into the actual topic of this show. But after being off for so long I needed to update, you know, the few people that are probably listening to this on what's going on and what to expect. So let's just get into it. Realignment. College football. Wow. Okay. This happened, I remember back in 2010, 2011, when, you know, you had Missouri and Texas A&M go to the SEC, Nebraska went to the Big Ten, Colorado went to the Pac-12, right? So, so the Big 12 almost fell apart then, right? Well, the Big 12 is in a lot of trouble now. I, I think basically it's going to cease to exist, and I'll explain why, but what was the big news? The big news was, I'm sure all of you know by now, right? Texas and Oklahoma say that they're going to go join the SEC in 2025 when their contract with the Big 12 expires, right? So let's get into how this happened, right? Go through the timeline. So at first it was that Texas and Oklahoma notified the Big 12 that they just weren't going to renew their contract or their media rights, right, with the Big 12. So that's basically them saying, we're going to leave the conference, okay? Then apparently they reach out to the SEC. SEC takes the call, obviously, and says, yeah, in 2025 or whenever you can get here, we would love to have you. Obviously, this sent shockwaves through college football. One, because it was super unexpected. I don't know anybody that was really thinking about this or thought this was even a possibility, right? We've been so focused on NIL and the 12-team playoff possible expansion and when that's going to happen, if that's going to happen, and also just getting back to you know normalcy after the COVID year and all this stuff that's been going on. And then bam, this gets dropped on us. And the reality of this is this is a move that will permanently change college football. It's true. Now, whether you, you like that or don't like that, I mean, that's just a fact, guys. College football is changing, 
right? We've been talking for a long time about SEC dominance, right? In the Power Five, right? You got your Power Five conferences. The SEC's already had a leg up. They're clearly the best conference, right? Now, I, if you guys remember and you've listened to me before, I've never thought that the SEC being the best conference should really give them any sort of leg up as far as what they deserve in the sport, right? You know, I, I'm more of a traditionalist, you know, from when it comes to the playoff, for example. Hey, you, you get in based on accomplishment and yes, scheduling matters and strength of schedule matters and therefore the SEC might have a leg up because a lot of their teams are going to on paper play sort of a harder schedule, but you don't just get to go to the playoff because we think you're better than someone else, right? I mean, that that's not how the BCS works. That's not how college football worked before. The playoff obviously threw this gray area in there, right? And I've always thought, hey, if you're a undefeated conference champion, you are definitely going to the playoff over a, a one-loss team who isn't a conference or even is a conference champion, right? Like, that's how I've always viewed the Power Five. You can go back and listen to all my episodes about that before, and I'm sure we'll be getting into that this season too. But anyway, the SEC was already the best. Now they're adding two of the biggest brands in the sport. That I mean, that's just huge, guys. I mean, the SEC was already the best. They already had most of the biggest brands. They were the conference that had the most big brands, right? A lot of other conferences, like the Big 12 before this, right? The Big 12 had Texas and Oklahoma, huge brands, but under that, Okay, maybe Oklahoma State a little bit, but no one else that carries college football weight, right? Look at the Pac-12. They basically got USC. Yeah, Oregon's good, but as far as brands, it's basically just USC and then there's Washington, right? The Big Ten is probably the second strongest conference to the SEC because they got Ohio State, they got Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, right? Michigan State even there a little bit. Like Those are all brands that carry weight, right? And then in the ACC, you basically got Florida State, Clemson, Miami, I guess, sort of Virginia Tech, but Clemson's the only program that in the last like five years has been holding their weight. Florida State's completely fallen off the map. Miami's been trying to come back. So it's been all SEC, right? They've got the most big brands. And now they're adding two of the biggest ones, right? So so first, let's go over some of the controversy about this move, right? The Big 12 is obviously super pissed they're pissed at Texas and Oklahoma because without Texas and Oklahoma, the, the Big 12 has nothing, guys. I mean, I mean, they're not going to bring in the revenue. If you look at recruiting statistics, when Oklahoma and Texas leave, the Big 12 recruits at, at a group of five level, right? They, it's basically now they're on level with the American Conference, and basically that means they can't be a power conference. And I'm going to get into, you know, moves in a second that conferences can make, but... I'll just cut to the chase for the Big 12 right now. There's really nothing they can do. There's no one they can go get that could even come close to replacing Texas and Oklahoma. They could add every single team in the American Conference, and that's not going to help them in the big picture of remaining a Power 5 school or a Power Conference. It's just it's not going to happen, right? So obviously the Big 12 is mad at Texas and Oklahoma. The Big 12 is also mad at ESPN because they're accusing ESPN of, of orchestrating all this. Now, so far, there's no actual evidence, although the Big 12 is claiming they have the evidence. We haven't, we haven't seen that, right, that, that they did. Although it does make a lot of sense, right? If you look at some of the deals that are on the table, ESPN, right, the SEC and the SEC network is their baby. ESPN's also about to take over that CB, CBS deal, right? That 330 time slot. They're going to get that from them, it looks like. So they have a pretty big incentive to have Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC, right? And to have it happen sooner than later. That's going to be better for them, right? So if Texas and Oklahoma can get to the SEC sooner, that that's better, right? Because then... If the Big 12 falls apart, ESPN not only gets out of all of you know the deals they have with the Big 12 and paying them, but they also, you know, the SEC just becomes more valuable overnight. As soon as Texas and Oklahoma get there, it's going to be even more valuable than it already is. So the Big 12 is upset about that, thinking ESPN is coordinating that. And we'll see how that unfolds. I don't even really care about that. Zooming out of the Big 12, a lot of just college football fans... And pundits are upset about this too because obviously the main thing is just the tradition, right? Like 
you look at college football and you have conferences, right? We used to have six power conferences, right? When the Big East, you know, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with the Big East along with these, right? And then the Big East changed, right? It had Miami, it had Virginia Tech, it had Boston College, ACC grabs all of them. And I remember even being pretty young. And if you go back to like the 2005, 2006, seven days, you had West Virginia and Louisville in the Big East, and they were basically always the team in contention and whatever. Then the Big East falls apart. And for the last, you know, 10, 10 years or so, we've had the Power Five. And you get used to that. And, okay, there's still kind of tradition there. Yeah, it sucked that Nebraska wasn't in the Big 12 anymore. That was kind of weird, right? Texas A&M and Missouri not being in the Big 12 was also kind of weird. But Texas A&M has made the most of it. They We had the whole Johnny Manziel era. Now the Jimbo Fishers come in. You know, A&M's a climbing program. We'll get to them in a second. But, okay, it, it worked out. College football was still enough of what it was that we, we were okay with everything, right? And now it's just getting to the point where it's like, okay, Texas Oklahoma leave. They're going to be in the SEC. A lot of people are already tired of the SEC. I was never tired of the SEC, but I think everyone who's a fan of college football, even a lot of SEC fans, I would like to think, right? Like you have an interest in the sport just being more fun on a national level. You want to see all the brands and all different conferences like doing their thing. Even if you're a big proponent of like SEC dominance and my conference is better than yours, you know, you want other conferences to be around so you can be better than them, right? I mean, that's just how this thing works. And I think if you want to sum it all up, I don't want to rant too long about it, but what people are afraid of is that we're headed towards some sort of super conference future, right? And we probably are. Now, I think that's more than 10 years away because... There are certain brands that if we go to a super conference, there's brands that just couldn't be left out of that. Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State, ACC schools, right? USC from the Pac-12. Those are schools that no matter what, they're not going to be left out of it. And a lot of those schools couldn't really make a move to join some sort of SEC super conference or whatever the future college football super conference was going to look like because... College football doesn't really have, you know, a head structured thing. This isn't the NFL where there's a commissioner and somebody overlooking the sport as a whole. And as Joel Klatt, you know, one of my favorite analysts at over at Fox, you know, he's he's talked about this and I think he's right, is that that's what college football does need. Fortunately, they don't have it. So anyway, I'm going to get to that later. But this is kind of where we're sitting here. And I think that scares a lot of people because if college football is really eventually headed towards a route where we have maybe – maybe at the most 45, you know, teams in this super league that has its own playoff. Like, one, there's, you know, there's some fun to that, right? The idea that, like, you know, if I'm a Florida State fan, right, or I'm I'm an Oklahoma fan, whoever my team is, the idea that every single week we're playing our biggest game, right, if you compare it to before, because the way college football schedules work right now, if you're a good team, right, you're you're Alabama, you're Ohio State, you're, you're a Michigan, right? So when I say good team i'm being subjective a little bit but if you're a team that is trying to go win division conference and national titles there's about four games on your schedule that are like crazy right like okay you know you're gonna beat that team you know you're beating umass when they come to town you know you got your jacksonville state games you're winning those games and then there's like okay some division games that you know, not all conferences and divisions are created equal, right? Alabama knows they're going to beat Vanderbilt when they play, right? Pretty much every single year since the beginning of time. But then, okay, you got your Auburn game circled if you're Alabama, right? Or if you're Oklahoma, you're circling maybe, you know, like this year, Iowa State probably, right? Or maybe Texas. Um, so the idea that every single week would be kind of one of those games is awesome. But that's also like we got the NFL for that, right? So what people love about college football, right, is the pageantry of the sport. And if you're losing the Iowas of the sport, if you're losing the Colorados, right, because in all those traditions, right, Ralphie's run and stuff like that, if we lose that, because we will lose that, guys. If college football goes to a Super League and you say on paper, yeah, we know not all the teams are created equal and even all the conferences, but the fact that they're technically all 100 and whatever of these schools are in the same league, if you will, they're all Division One 
FBS college football. So on paper, it's like we know they're not all competing for the same prize. We know a school like UCF, Boise State, you know, some of the group of five schools especially, they'll never compete for national titles. Even teams in power five conferences, right, Duke, Wake Forest, right, even crap, even schools, you know, like in Arizona State, right, like they're never really in contention to go win, sometimes even their own conference, but like they're in the same league as Alabama, Ohio State. Clemson, Oklahoma, right, on on paper. So we get to enjoy all those teams' traditions, and if you actually separate them on paper, then I think you do lose that. Because the reason I think we subjectively care about all those other schools' traditions in the pageantry of the sport is because you're all technically in the same league, which means hypothetically in a fantasy world you could all win the win the same prize, maybe, even though you, you know, that that that's where we're at. So... I think there's a lot of people that are scared of losing the tradition of college football. And we've already given up a lot of traditions, guys, in the last round of realignment. And as we went from the the AP poll era to the Bull Alliance to the BCS and then, you know, the college football playoff with four teams and the talks of that expansion, we're losing a lot. And this, I think, is just really making people nervous from the tradition standpoint. But let's hone that in and let's talk about in the short term, some of the real stuff that's got a lot of people nervous, especially fans of schools outside of the SEC. And I'm not talking about small schools like a Wake Forest that obviously should be nervous about where the future of the sport's going. But I'm talking about Clemson. I'm talking about USC. I'm talking about Ohio State. Why they should probably be nervous and scared. And before I even get into like specific teams, Let's just talk about other conferences. Every conference besides the SEC has got to be scared right now because the FCC, again, was already far and ahead above those, right? They're bringing in way more revenue than the other Power 5 conferences, okay? And now that's just going to go up even more. And guys, money is power in this sport. You cannot allow this type of separation and expect to keep up. So if the SEC is going to pull even more money than they already were ahead of the Big Ten, the ACC, Pac-12. Those schools, those programs are just going to go further because guess what? They got more money to build bigger, better facilities, more money to pay coaches even more and do all the things that's required to separate recruiting advantages. So let's talk about other conferences, what they can do, right? Basically, what they're afraid of is the SEC monopolizing the sport. And even if we don't ever get to a point where it's officially like declared by the playoff committee or by anybody that the SEC is better and just a different league and they're basically a tier above, it, it's going to get to that, right? So you're almost going to have a de facto college football system where the SEC is considered like single A baseball. The Big Ten is going to be like, Double A baseball, the ACC might be like triple A, right? And you make your way down the line. And that's going to be like, so like players literally moving through those tiers. Okay, I didn't get recruited by an SEC tier one school. So I went to a big 10 school and then my I was doing well. So then I transferred in, right? All of a sudden, a school like Ohio State, who's a great program, right? They're, they're right there. Right now, even though they're not in the SEC, they're as good of a program as any SEC team, right? They make the playoff, they compete for national championships. Same with Clemson, the ACC, right? Well, eventually, kids just won't go to any school not in the SEC. And Oklahoma and Texas going there really, really makes that a possibility, I think in the long run in the future. And guys, that's why Texas and Oklahoma did it, guys. Oklahoma, it's it's a little iffy, but let me let me jump to Texas real quick before I get in there because a lot of the debate is, is this even good for Texas and Oklahoma? The answer is yes, especially for Texas. Let me explain why. So Texas is one of the biggest brands in college football, right? Probably outside of Alabama, even though they haven't been that good in, in over a decade now, Texas is the University of Texas, guys. No one's got more money than them. They are one of the biggest brands in college football. Top five brand. They just are, right? And they've been struggling for the last 10 years. 
So first of all, just look at it that way. I heard a good quote by someone that was basically like, well, if they're struggling in the Big 12, they might as well go struggle in the SEC, right? It can't get any worse, and at least now you're in the SEC. I don't think they're going to struggle, maybe in the short term, but this gives Texas a huge recruiting advantage. Guys, why have schools like Alabama, like Georgia, like LSU, like Clemson, why have they been able to go in and get players out of Texas? It's because they get to come in and say, we're in the SEC. If you grew up in Texas, you want to go play at UT. You want to go play for the Texas Longhorns, right? 90% of the football players in Texas want to go play at the University of Texas. They want to stay home. But there's these SEC schools, right? Or maybe even Clemson because of how good of a program they are and Ohio State that come in and draw them out because Texas isn't as good as they've been. And these uh, coaches get to come to their living rooms and say, hey, you want to go to the NFL? You got to come to the SEC. This is what we can do, right? Nick Saban sits in the living room of these 17, 18-year-old kids, and he's like, come on, man. You know you want to come play SEC ball with the big boys. We're Alabama. We win championships. I send everyone to the NFL. And basically, these kids go, yeah, you're right. Well, guess what? Now that Texas is in the SEC, that's not going to be the case. We already saw this with Texas A&M, right? Texas A&M was never really in contention to win the Big 12, right? And, and like the 10, Texas A&M was good like in the 90s, right? Like they had some good 90s teams. Like they would always go to the Cotton Bowl and play Notre Dame, right? I think they did like four years in a row, like 91, 92, 93, and 94, some, something like that. They had like an upset Big 12 championship, I think in like 98. I want to say they beat Kansas State, Right. But for the most part, they're an eight and four football program. That's even in the SEC, they've still kind of remained that. But like that's what they were, right? In the Big Twelve, they're not even the biggest brand in their own state, let alone a big national brand, right? They're Texas A&M. Well, when they went to the SEC, they all they were better because now they could take recruits from Texas. Finally, right? Finally, Texas A&M had a slight recruiting edge on Texas. Because they could tell kids, you get to stay home, but instead of going to Texas, you come play for us, and you'll play in the SEC. It's a win-win. So Texas has no choice but to go do this because they're not even the best brand in their own state anymore, right? But if I'm Texas A&M, or if I'm a handful of SEC schools, I'm actually not thrilled about Texas coming in for this exact reason. I, If I'm Alabama, if I'm you know Georgia, if I'm LSU, if I'm Texas A&M, I've enjoyed being able to go into Texas and steal recruits from the University of Texas and Oklahoma for that matter. Oklahoma recruits a lot of players from Texas. They're very close. Well, Oklahoma and Texas come into the SEC and those recruits are like, oh, cool, I get to stay home and play for Texas now and play in the SEC. So that would make me nervous if I'm LSU, right? If Alabama will probably be fine and be Alabama as long as Nick Saban's there. But, I mean, crap, if I'm Texas A&M, I'm, I'm the most upset about this decision. I, I feel like they're the one SEC school that should have voted no. Like, no, we don't want them in here. Because now you're not going to have that leg up in your state that you've been enjoying ever since coming to the SEC. And I think the same goes for Oklahoma, right? Now, for Oklahoma, it doesn't make a lot of sense from the standpoint that they've already been winning 11, 12 games a year, making the college football playoff, right? Which they've made, like, four times now. Yes, they've lost every time in the first round, but they're they're getting better, right? They're, they're on the cusp of winning a national championship every year. They're already doing that in the Big 12. They're going to come to the SEC, SEC, and while I think they'll still be great, you do make your path a little harder considering you already had that. But I think even with Oklahoma, it's a recruiting advantage, right? Because Oklahoma's lacked the defense to go with their amazing offenses that they've oh, The Oklahoma offenses, right, under Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, then Jalen Hurts, and now Spencer Rattler. Like, these offenses have been incredible. Bob Stoops and then handing the torch to Lincoln Riley and what he's done. Like, it's insane. But their defenses have been so bad. I mean, it's literally cost them probably three national championships. If they just would have had mediocre defenses in some of those years, you're right? 2016, 2017, 18, they, they probably win the national championship. 
Well, being in the SEC is going to allow them to recruit those defensive players. And, and bef- they've already been getting there. I think we're about to see the best Oklahoma defense we've seen in the last seven years probably uh, coming up in, in 2021. But going forward, they're going to get those recruits, right? Because it's the one thing Oklahoma was missing as a program, right? Recruits could say, well, you know, I want to go here, but you're not in the SEC. That That's over now. Oklahoma's going to be in the SEC. So I think for Oklahoma and Texas – it makes a lot of sense, even from a competitive standpoint. Obviously, it made financial sense 1,000%, but I think it also makes sense on the field for your football product. I think both these teams will be better because of this, especially Texas. I mean, Texas can't really get much worse. They they still recruit really well, despite not being in the SEC, despite not being good the last 10 years. They always have like top 10 recruiting classes. So they get the right coach that actually develops their talent. They're going to be good. And and with Steve Sarkeesian coming in this year, maybe he's the guy that finally gets them to where they should be. It, I will admit it would be kind of enjoyable as a college football fan to see Texas, the brand, you know, be back and being good again. And now they're going to be doing that in the SEC come 2025 or maybe before that, right? So sorry, I got off on the tangent about Texas, Oklahoma specifically. It's all part of it. So let's zoom out now, look at the other conferences. So first of all, like I already said, the Big 12 is done. They're done. There's nothing they can do, right? And this is why I think the move is going to happen before 2025 because if the Big 12 falls apart before 2025, Texas and Oklahoma get to leave early. And the only way that the Big 12 stays together is basically to piss off texas and oklahoma like well we're staying together we're gonna make you stay and pay us every dollar until 2025 which is what they should do or they should try to do but at the end of the day these other schools have to look out for their futures right and the remaining eight schools in the big 12 someone's getting screwed right and some of them are going to get invited to other conferences right if i'm a big 12 school i want to end up in a power conference when this is over if i'm oklahoma state i don't want to get you know, one, I don't want to fall apart and go into nothing, which could happen, but, you know, I don't, I'd rather go to the ACC or the Big Ten or maybe the Pac-12 before the American probably, right? Because at least I'm adding to an already power conference, right? And the as long as these schools all sit on their butts and try to, you know, band together to be strong, to piss off Oklahoma and Texas and keep them in the conference as long as they can, they're running the risk that someone's going to jump ship, right? The ACC might come call for West Virginia or Oklahoma State. The Big Ten might take somebody. Pac-12 might take somebody. So just like Texas and Oklahoma had to look out for their long-term futures, these other schools are going to have to do the same thing, and they're going to put themselves over the conference too because they're not going to have a choice. So I, I just really don't see a future for the Big 12. Because, like I said, even if the big, even if these eight teams stick together and then they go pull a couple teams from the American, right? They go get a Memphis or a UCF or, or something. You're still not looking at a conference that I think you can call a Power Five conference, right? It's just, it's just not there. You're gonna have the Power Four in a group of six. That's that's where we're headed with this thing. Maybe not next year. Maybe we get to 2025 before all this happens. But that's that's the future. So what you're really looking at is what are the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 going to do? Because I'm still nervous as shit if I'm them, right? If I'm the ACC, right, I'm like, what the heck, right? If I'm Clemson, I'm Florida State, and I'm like, hey, we want to win national championships. We consider ourselves SEC type of schools. Yes, we, we our conference is not the SEC. It's the ACC. But there's a handful of schools in the ACC that consider themselves SEC schools, right? They're in the same region, they're in the Southeast, and their football programs and their passion and their fans and their traditions and their stadiums and everything and the money they pump in, it's the same, right? Clemson, Florida State being the best two examples. I would even argue that, you know, like a school like NC State, while competitively they don't they're not always have the talent, if you go to a big NC State home game and it's maybe versus a Clemson or a Florida State, I mean, it's an SEC environment, right? That's no different than being at a um, a South Carolina game or a Tennessee game even, right? The stadium's not as big as Tennessee, but you, you get my point, right? It's still Southern football there. So, and then obviously you got Miami, right? Virginia Tech 
is an SEC school when it comes to environment on game day, right? You know, that place is awesome. That place is crazy. So, and then, like I said, you you got Miami and the his history that they bring, although definitely they don't have an SEC environment at that stadium. Maybe if they're playing Florida State, they get some fans, but that's another story. And then they haven't been able to keep up, you know, facility-wise to, you know, stay the power. But you got some brands out there, right? You know, you go to the Big Ten, obviously Ohio State. They're not in the same region as SEC, but they're a blue blood, and they're incredible. They're a great program, very dominant. And then, you know, also in the Big Ten, right? Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. I mean, these are big programs that compete for conference titles, playoff spots. And they cannot just lose all that because the SEC is monopolizing and now eventually recruits won't go there, right? And then if you're USC on the Pac-12, you you got to be thinking the same thing. What are these conferences going to do? What are individual teams going to do? Because if I'm the Pac-12, I'm super nervous right now because if USC is looking out for them, their own, they're probably going to jump ship, right? The Pac-12 is definitely the weakest of the remaining three conferences now outside the SEC and all the Pac-12 has is USC, right? Who else is really going to win a national championship from the Pac-12? I mean, Oregon's good. They're coming up, but I mean, and yeah, Oregon's played a national title game. They went to another national title game in the playoff era, but I don't know, until they actually win one, bring one home, you know, you're nervous. And it's like, okay, there's still a newer brand as far as the national scale of college football, where USC is USC. All the national titles, all the history, the Heisman winners, they had a dynasty not even that long ago. You know, you're only talking about about 12, 15 years ago, they were the Alabama of the sport, right? For people my age, when we were growing up, when we were in, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, USC was Alabama, you know, those Pete Carroll teams. So... USC is either going to join the Big Ten, go independent, right? They're going to be doing that. And if that happens, the Pac-12 is now screwed. The same thing that what I said has just happened to the Pac, the Big 12 could happen to the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 needs USC so they can stay together, right? Now in the ACC, Clemson and Florida State are nervous because I, I think in a real world, they would just say, yeah, let's leave, right? We're Clemson, we're Florida State, you know, maybe you could say Virginia Tech and NC State, Miami, or some of these other schools would be involved in that conversation also, but definitely Clemson, Florida State, they would want to get out and jump ship. Well, they can't because they're basically locked in to the ACC until 2036. If you look at the Grand Rights deal and if you listen to what everybody's been saying when it comes to money and what really runs this sport, it doesn't look like Clemson and Florida State could really get out of that. Or, I mean, it would cost, I think, $160 million each, something crazy. So it it would be so difficult. And then it's like, with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, like, could they even take a Clemson and Florida State? So basically you're left with what are these conferences going to do and there's no one that these conferences can add. I mean, best case scenario, they pick up what's left of some of these big 12 teams. Like, yeah, if I'm the ACC, like, cool. I would add West Virginia, Oklahoma State. If I'm the Big Ten, I'd do the same thing. If I'm the Pac-12, I'd go after an Oklahoma State, maybe even TCU, Texas Tech, get a foothold in Texas, right? You can do those things, but nothing any of these conferences could do would even be come close to what the SEC just did. Even if the ACC could pull off getting Notre Dame to join as a full-time member, that would be amazing for them. That would be awesome. That would be huge. But it still wouldn't compare to what the SEC just did or to what the SEC even was prior to this move. That's what we're dealing with here. And let me tell you what I think actually could happen. Recently, there's been talk of like, oh, this alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, or, or basically this three-way alliance. And you're like, well, what does that really mean? I mean, if you're all going to stay in your own conferences still, and like what, you have some games against each other, it just doesn't seem like that is going to do much. Plus, we already, like, I've heard Paul Feinbaum point this out on his show. It's like, we already have those games. Like, oh, the Big 12, or sorry, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to do a, an alliance. Well, we already have, you know, just this year, we got Washington playing Michigan. We've got Oregon going to Ohio State. We already have a bunch of those games. But let me tell you something, 
and this is, I think, something you're only going to hear on my show right now. I haven't heard anybody else throw this angle into this potential alliance scenario because I think there is something that these conferences could do that could level the playing field with the SEC, and it has everything to do with scheduling and not the scheduling you're thinking of, okay? Let me, let me explain this. So the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, they all make an alliance, and they say, hey, we're going to play each other a lot more often, right? So we're, we're going to keep the eight-game conference schedule that the ACC has, right? So if I'm the Big Ten and the Pac-12, I'm going to also move to eight-game conference schedule. Maybe. that I mean, that part's not as important. The important part is you got 12 regular season games, right? If you play nine conference games, that leaves you three games left on the season. If you play eight games, that leaves you four, right? Now... The other thing I would do is I would say, forget the part where they play each other, because that's kind of a given. I would say, hey, none of us are playing FCS schools anymore. In fact, I would maybe even say we're not playing group of five schools anymore. Our only non-conference games will be against SEC schools and each other, right? So obviously, take Florida State and Clemson, for example. They already have a permanent SEC game every year. Florida State plays Florida every year. Clemson plays South Carolina every year. So you already got that covered. So if I'm Florida State, I'll just use them as an example. They're my team, right? If I'm Florida State, I've got the 12-game schedule. I've got eight ACC games every year, and I've got Florida every year. That leaves three other games. Basically, those three games will be against power conference teams. That that's the decision I would make. It's it's not doesn't mean they have to be Big Ten or Pac-12. Although with this alliance, you would think yeah they would be Big Ten, Pac-12. But you know, Florida State might still want to play Georgia or an Alabama one day. So basically, that's the the alliance I think they need to make. They need to be the the conferences that come together and say we're going to collectively agree that none of us are going to schedule FCS games because. Why is the SEC the best conference when it comes to teams having an upper hand and getting selected for the playoff now and, and at large spots and, and all that stuff? Well, it's because they always, oh, strength of schedule, right? The reason SEC schools are always trying to argue that a 10-2 and team is better than a 12-0 and team from the Pac-12 is because, oh, the strength of schedule and this team didn't play anybody. Well, the alliance with this scheduling arrangement could kind of get rid of that because guess what? Let's take... Take an Alabama, right? I've talked bad about Alabama's schedule a lot the last few years. And while Alabama always does the right thing and they usually go play a big kickoff game against a notable opponent, and yes, they're in the toughest division, so their eight conference games are going to be okay most of the time. They always play like three patsies a year. And I'm talking like legit patsies, right? Like a McNeese State, something ridiculous like that. I think if you play three of those games a year, that takes a lot away from your schedule. I don't care if you have three top 10 matchups on your schedule. If you have three crappy games like that, that kind of outweighs it, right? I think a schedule, right? This is why I've always praised Notre Dame. Notre Dame plays a 12-game schedule against all Division I teams. Usually, it's 11 Power 5 schools in like one group of five school. And if you look at their schedule this year, that group of five game is Cincinnati, who's pretty freaking good so that's why i've always said an undefeated notre dame team absolutely should be in the playoff over anybody because their schedule is more respectable yeah you can okay maybe notre dame plays a florida state who's down or usc is not great but i think a 12 game schedule against those opponents is tougher in the long run you know over the course of a season than an alabama schedule where oh we're playing um a top five LSU team and another top five Auburn team maybe later, but we basically get four bye weeks in our schedule because of these really mediocre opponents. And the ACC does this too, right? Florida State just this year is playing UMass in Jacksonville State, I think. So from a scheduling advantage, these conferences could basically say, hey, we're doing this. That would put the pressure on the SEC to, to kind of have to make the same decision. Right? Because now, 
okay, yeah, we're the SEC, we got this tough schedule. Well, you got all these Patsy games. The other conferences wouldn't have any of those games at all. Now, this still isn't a perfect solution because there's no perfect solution for these other conferences to try to catch up to the SEC. This isn't going to get you on their level. This isn't going to catch up with them. But I, I think it's a, it's a smart move, right? Every Pac-12 school, every ACC school, every Big Ten school says, we have 12 games on our schedule that fans are going to love, right? So from a home game, revenue standpoint, it's great. Who wouldn't want to see, by the way, like, I don't know, NC State playing California. Like, that's just a cool matchup, right? Think about your school. If, you have, if you're a fan of a school in one of these three conferences, I mean, one of my favorite things in college football has always been non-conference home games, right? I love, right, when we had Texas LSU a couple years ago, 2019, that was awesome, right? I love seeing those brands get together, right? I'm stoked for Clemson, Georgia. This year sucks because it's a neutral site game. I'd rather it be in one of the home stadiums, but we got that in 2013 and 14. Clemson, Georgia did a home and home, right? I'm super excited for Washington and Michigan, right? Like that's a Rose Bowl matchup, but we get that in the regular season. So Oregon going to Ohio State, that's awesome, right? We could get more of those games, not three or four a year that we schedule. Every single year, you'd be getting something like that. If Florida State, if my school could play a Big Ten school, a Pac-12 school, another SEC school, or two Big Ten schools a year, something like that on their schedule to go along with the ACC slate, that would be awesome, right? And you wouldn't have to hear, Clemson wouldn't have to hear anymore about their schedule being that bad. Because let's be honest, what makes Clemson's schedule bad is not, you know, the eight ACC games they're going to play that, that doesn't help because the ACC has been down, but if your conference is down and all your non-conference is, like we said, some McNee State school, you're playing Idaho, then now your schedule is looking really bad. But if your non-conference is at least respectable Power 5 schools, right? And if you're a Clemson or you're a Miami, you try to schedule at least schools that are in the 500 range, right? But even a 5-7 and seven Power 5 school looks so much better on your schedule than, you know, McNairyville State, whatever, right? It just does. And I think that would kind of put the SEC in the corner because they would actually feel a little bit of pressure to try to match that. And But if they do, they know that they're in a real pickle now because then they would have by far the toughest schedule. And honestly, my agenda behind all this is I think that would just be the best thing for college football. I've been saying for a long time, I think you fix a lot of these schedule controversies at the end of the year, who deserves what in the playoff. If everybody played Power 5 teams, we wouldn't have to compare all their schedules all the time, right? And be like, well, did you beat a top 5 team or did you not? We could basically almost treat it like, hey, you all play Power 5 schools. Yes, we know not all Power 5 schools are created equal. We know there's some better ones in the SEC on average than this conference. But if you all play 12 games against, you know, the top level college football on paper, we could go back to more like, hey, what is your record, right? And 12-0 and is better than 11-1. and And yeah, of course, it wouldn't be perfect, but it's a lot better to have those, you know, objective and subjective arguments about who's better and who deserves what when you have a more even schedule than we have now, right? It'll never be perfect because... There's like 100 teams out there, so it's never going to be perfect, but I think that would get us as close to that as we can. So that that's my thing. I think this alliance could work. I think that's an actual realistic thing. This isn't like a fantasy thing. It's not a fun, oh, what if, you know, like there were some people being like, oh, ACC should get Penn State. Clem uh, Florida State and Clemson should leave the ACC. This should happen to this team. And most of all those things, they weren't realistic. Like I said, people don't realize you know, Notre Dame's not joining a conference, right? Because I heard that a lot. Oh, the ACC should make Notre Dame join. Well, if they could, they would. They've been trying this whole time, right? Um, and that, that was actually another thing for the alliance I was, I was thinking was, now, I don't think the Big Ten and Pac-12 would go along with this because it benefits the ACC way more than them. But if all three of those conferences could agree, we will not schedule Notre Dame unless Notre Dame joins a conference, which means it would have to be the ACC. So again, why would the Big Ten or the Pac-12 want to make the ACC better? You know, that that's why this part is unrealistic. But that would help too because then Notre Dame would basically be like, okay, we can only play SEC schools at the power conference level. 
And obviously, they're not going to be able to schedule enough of them every season to have, you know, a 12-game schedule that's respectable anymore. So, but that part's unrealistic because I just, you don't see the Big Ten or the Pac-12 being like, yeah, 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 let's help the ACC get Notre Dame. Probably not going to happen. But, like I said, the other part I think is very realistic. There's nothing that I can find, you know, in the back doors, you know, in the world of money and contracts that would stop the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 from forming this alliance and agreeing to not have basically patsy games on the schedule anymore. And I think that's a win-win for college football. That would actually be a net positive of this situation if that would happen. And if that does happen, you're not sweating as much about your conference not being good as the SEC because, like I said, okay, now if Clemson's playing 12 games against all Power 5 schools, and you hope at least a couple of them are big-time matchups, but even if they're not, if you go through that slate and you have a good record and you win the ACC and you're undefeated, or even if you're 12-1, and one, you're, you don't have to worry about, oh, an 11-1 and one SEC's team that didn't even win their division jumping you. I just don't see that happening in that scenario, right? And I think you'd say the same about Big 10 and Pac-12. They'd be fine. Yeah, obviously, if you go 8-4 and four in the regular season and and then win your conference championship game and you're 9-4, and four, yeah, now you are getting jumped by a two-loss or SEC school, of course, <laughs> right? But it's already been like that. So... Because I think the negative you could say is like, well, if the if all these schools are having these hard schedules, that just provides more opportunity for losses, and then they definitely aren't jumping the SEC. That's true, but you're already looking at a scenario where without those losses, you're going to get jumped by the SEC, right? The SEC is setting up to basically say, hey, it doesn't even matter if one of our teams has three losses, they should be in the postseason, especially if we move to the 12-team playoff. Now, I, I think another thing that should go along with this alliance is for the time being, they should delay the 12-team playoff, right? And I'm going to get more into this subject when I talk about the playoff in, in the playoff podcast, but for now, just think about this. Everyone's been saying, oh, like, they shouldn't delay the 12-team playoff to try to spite the SEC because the SEC doesn't care about a 12-team playoff. They're good keeping it at four, which is kind of true because they know, hey, at four, we're always going to get a team in at least sometimes two in certain years, so we're okay with that, right? Where it's the Pac-12 and the Big 12 before they got annihilated, right? And the ACC, like those are the team conferences that need expansion because they need automatic qualifiers. Really just the Pac-12, right? ACC's gotten a team in the playoff every single year, Florida State the first year and Clemson every year since. The Big 10's gotten in the playoff enough times. Yeah, Ohio State didn't make it a couple times, but they've been there. Michigan State's even been there. Right, Pac-12 has only made it once. That Washington team in uh, 2016, and they got their butts whooped by Alabama. So, oh, the Pac-12 needs this. Well, yes and no. Right, Pac-12 would love an automatic bid, but the SEC is still the biggest winner of an expanded playoff because while everybody would finally get at least one team in, the SEC would get four, at least four, most years in. In some years, they might get five or six in if you have a 12-team playoff. So don't tell me that Greg Sankey and the SEC don't want that 12-team playoff really, really bad. They want it. They want a giant postseason where they can get half of the teams in. So I would delay that. I think. And if I'm the Pac-12, you know, you just you try your hardest to at least get one team to go undefeated or go 12-1, and one, right? You hope USC's back. You hope Oregon can step up. You hope the conference strengthens and your conference champion is a team that's considered for the playoff. You don't need to make it every single year, right? Probably only the SEC is the conference that'll get in every single year. But, but I mean, even that could change in the future, guys, right? Like, What's going to happen when Nick Saban leaves Alabama, right? You're telling me there couldn't be a year ever in the near future where you have an undefeated Clemson, so they're automatically in. You have an undefeated Notre Dame that's probably automatically already in. Ohio State's like 12-1, and you know, they're in. Maybe a a surprise Pac-12 team. And the SEC champion has two losses because they've all beaten up on each other so much. I mean, that could happen. So I think if I'm the other conferences... I make the alliance I talked about, I make the scheduling changes, I keep the playoff at four for as long as I can, and I 
try to make the SEC come to the table and beg for the playoff to go, and then we renegotiate then. Obviously, the playoff is expanding. That's probably the future of the sport, but for now, I would delay that as much as possible. Okay, so that's basically all I have for you. I wanted to talk a little bit about like fun potential scenarios, but I want to actually hear from you guys about those scenarios. So, And this is a, something that I wanted to start doing also with the show. You guys send me in your thoughts, your recommendations, things that you think should happen when it comes to realignment, and other topics, as we're going to get to all these other topics. You can email me at letstalkcollegefootball at gmail.com. I'm going to be going through emails. Hopefully, some of you guys start sending some stuff in. Remember, you know, I'm not dealing with thousands and thousands of listeners. I think the most listened to show I've ever had so far was like a thousand, which was great. But realistically, most of them last uh, back in 2019 were hovering in the 200 to 500 range. So if you ask me a question, like I'm going to be able to get to it most likely and talk about it. So like I said, let's talk college football at gmail.com. Thanks everyone who, who listened, paid attention. Like I said, tons of stuff coming. I have big plans for this podcast, for this show. And for anyone that loves classic college football games, I've got a giant archive of those games, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games going back to the 90s. Um, And I want to start uploading them to either a YouTube channel or a Rumble channel um, and or an Instagram page that I want to start, like a curator account. That stuff's complicated with copyright and like what you're allowed to do and not do. So I'm trying to figure that out because I would love all of us to be able to enjoy the archive that I put together. There's a lot of other channels that have similar things, but I, I, it's always been my dream to get that out there. So I'm also working on that. Um, appreciate everyone who was listening. Have a good day. And I'll talk to you guys on the next show, which should be coming out within a few days after this one. And that one's going to be all about the 12-team playoff. So thank you.